Bones take flight like parched white birds rising above the blue desert floor. Petrified wings beating the wind, heading to the moon, to the stars, to the sun, to heaven. They rattle and chant their ancient melodies in sweet and raspy tones. God's own breath sliding through marrow long dried to brittle web. When dry bones dance, you know God is at hand. Some 600 years before Jesus died, Ezekiel had a vision. Hollow bones, brittle sinews, taking flight on God's animated breath. And his vision, those years early, may well be the most detailed story of resurrection we have in Scripture. What was once broken, cast aside and scattered on the valley floor, what maybe was once mourned, but now long forgotten, is called for a second go-round in Earth's most celebrated dance of life. When I think of Easter Vigil, it is these bones that enliven me, the magic of wind humming through their centers, the deep echoing tones as bone encounters bone after decades of lonely stillness, the crackling sound of ancient sinews trying to knit themselves around a knee joint, the relieved sighs as those fibrous bands find themselves to be pliable once again. And from some place above the sky, the chiming of a thousand, thousand exquisite silver bells caught up in a gentle breeze. In her novel, Beloved, Toni Morrison plays on this theme of death becoming life. The central character of the story, Sethe, an escaping slave, is exhausted by her brutal journey and her advancing pregnancy. She is literally crawling to a halt, stuck somewhere between searing pain and sagging numbness. She despairs that her hard-earned freedom will quickly become her death, that she herself is to become a tomb, a dry and brittle resting place for her yet unborn child. She, long, she longs only to find the kindest place to die, a place where her last breath will be a sigh into silence and not a crackling gasp. But she doesn't quite die, not fully anyway. Instead, she finds herself face to face with a girl, chatty and scrawny and oddly commanding, who will turn the story and then vanish. Amy, she called herself, and she prodded Sethe to a more comfortable place to lie down. By the time they reached a rickety shelter, Sethe's knees were bloody. She had no feeling in the lower part of her body. Amy made her a bed of leaves, warm and soft 
at least, but crackling like brittle sinew as Sethi heaved her dying body into a comfortable spot. Then, Morrison tells us, Amy did the magic, lifted Sethi's feet and legs and massaged them until salt tears were cried. It's gonna hurt now, said Amy. Anything dead coming back to life hurts. I have my own story of death and resurrection. It does involve pain and a bit of panic. Near seven years ago, I tumbled or plunged down a set of steep concrete stairs and smacked into a steel door at the bottom. As far as I know, none of that actually hurt because I only know the story as I've been told. For some number of hours, a bit gone from myself, I didn't know if I was alive or dead. I couldn't even form such a question in my head. At some point, I was tucked into an MRI machine, and during that great photo session, I roused a bit. Every fiber of my body was screaming in my head. Clearly, I sensed I wasn't dead. But did you know that an MRI machine sounds deceptively like someone is throwing rocks on a steel coffin. It does. And it left me with the head-spinning thought that I had been assumed dead and was now stirred back to life to enjoy the clattering of rocks at my own funeral. Trouble was, it was not enjoyable. Anything dead coming back to life hurts. This is Easter. We just proclaimed that. What was captive to stillness moves. What was the object of tears and sorrow now leads the parade to a place of amazement. You know this feeling. Your foot prickles with a thousand needles because you sat on it for too long. Your face is crushed by an invisible vice when the dental anesthesia begins to wear off. Your heart breaks, and it aches when you become alive to the fact that children are starving in a world where there is no shortage of food, or when you awaken surrounded by people who cannot find joy in a field of wildflowers because anger or sadness or confusion or fear have crammed their hearts to the brim. Your dry spirit crumbles when you wake to know that snowflakes and sunrise and God and love have all gone missing from your life. Life is filled with an odd carnival of deaths and resurrections, some forced upon us, some of our own making, some that turn from one to the other like rocks clattering across a coffin, some that can only be given over to God's silent heart for safekeeping. Each year in the church, we come to this point in the story of God entwining in the life of God's wondrous creation. The story of Jesus, dead 
and in a tomb secured by a heavy stone. His friends, those who had come to rely on him and cherish him, to hope in him, were locked away in their own sort of death, grieving, their heads spinning with the thought of how wrong they had been about the trajectory of those past three years, wondering what horror might come next. Hours dragged to days, and days felt like forever. The tugging of death against life, against death, can be unbearable. But in the dark hours bridging night from morning, some courageous women ventured out. They found that this time around, life had won out over death. They were at once bewildered and overjoyed and scared to death. All four Gospels suggest that this thing called resurrection has happened, but not one gives us any clue about how it happened. I wonder if Easter began with pain. Artists, with few exceptions, have avoided the matter. A few poets have ventured into the world of words and have come to lively metaphors that evoke some sense of things. But metaphors are metaphors, and they don't have the courage of pronouncements. But chatty, scrawny Amy in Toni Morrison's book does have the courage to proclaim right out loud what we all experience in larger and smaller ways. Death becoming life hurts. I believe her. So what did Jesus feel? The prickling and tingling of something returning? The crackling sinews at the first flexing of his toes? The groaning rub of lifeless lungs as they filled with new air? The sharp pain of fear as he realized he was entombed, but suddenly not at all dead. Coming back to life, I suspect, is painful, at least in part because it presses us to acknowledge that in some way we have been dead. The first signs of new life, that tingling, tugging, the longing for some from some nameless place, a deep and distant pain coming closer until what has come apart is squeezed back to wholeness. Ouch, but it's new. In the brief time it takes to dream a dream of God, Ezekiel saw bones leap from dead to dancing. Just as Sethe let her numbing self into the leaves, her relivening feet sent a searing pain through her body and brought salt tears streaming down her face. As I heard the rocks tumbling across my coffin, I struggled to move and I screamed, ruining my first ever MRI photo shoot. But I'm here, and I assure you, I am in love with my life. I can't imagine the jolt that compelled Jesus' first gasping breath. But I suspect that all new life 
comes from the same mysterious power. Whatever makes these things happen, I can easily imagine Jesus moving out into a morning that looked the same as any other morning in spring, but into a world that would never be the same. Now, I remind you that we have the power of resurrection. It's a God gift to all who hold the deep hope of life and possibility. Every time we allow the hope that is in us to drift out into a darkening world, like what didn't happen with new kindled wood and, and the light from that kindled wood that led us to this place, well, when we let the sparks fly, then resurrection happens, and it happens, and it happens again and again. It happens for those so deeply in need of hope. It happens for ourselves, suddenly, painfully, brilliantly alive to the fact that such hope actually does live in us. Hope is what calls us here. Hope is what sends us out again to make God alive in the world. And I'm telling you this, this is joy to know, to cry into, to revel in a life begun and begun again and begun again. Dry bones are dancing. Let your alleluias rise from the springs like water. Let them soar from the mountaintops and wind through alleyways of despair. Let them soar across the land and spin through the skies. Let them dance like bones that are birds, like flesh not captive to death. Resurrected God, dancing bones, living flesh, all shout together, Alleluia, Christ is risen. We all are risen indeed. Alleluia.